patience, self-control, all of the things that the Holy Spirit freely gives to us, we thank you for those things. We bless you, we honor you, and we praise you today, Lord, for you are the great physician. We turn this meeting over to Jesus, the healer. Thank you, Lord, to come in and teach us and heal us. In your name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God's good. Amen. And his mercy endures forever. So today we're going to talk about um, how to be healed by agreeing with heaven. Be healed and agree with heaven. Amen. Our lives are matters of which kingdom we put our faith in. The Christian must have faith in God's kingdom in order to have the success that God promised and the success that he ordained. One of the things that we must be careful of is to agree with heaven at all times. If we disagree with heaven and start agreeing with what we see going on in the natural realm, our blessings from God will be delayed or they won't come at all because we need to come into contact with God by saying together with him. The word confess really means to to say together with. So when you confess the word, you are saying together with heaven exactly the way it's written in the Bible. That's why Jesus said it is written. Your weapon of warfare is what God has written. And whether or not it is, is manifested in the natural in your situation, you must agree with heaven and say together with God what heaven says. When you say something other than what heaven says, you are speaking alone. And so you don't want to speak alone. You want your voice to be heard in God's kingdom. You want your voice to be heard and resonate uh, with God so that Jesus can minister over your confession. When he ministers over your confession, then all the promises of God are true for you. You can have what you say. You can be healed, you can be delivered, you can be set free. All of these things will happen, but you must say together with heaven what heaven says. Now, you have to be prepared for a response from the earth when you say things together with heaven. And that's the essence of the warfare. We are a war of words. And so when you begin to say together with heaven what heaven says, you will hear a response from earth and from hell to the contrary. And so this is where our problem comes in sometimes. The enemy sometimes is able to convince us through false witnesses that he's telling the truth. See, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses is every word established or everything established. And so many times the devil will will point you to symptoms. You know, you'll, you'll have pain in your body or you'll have... And he'll begin to have you question where it came from. And so he's giving confidence to what's going on in the natural because he has two false witnesses. Now we've got to agree on this because God's word is truth. Anything else is a lie. Anything else is false. So he has two false witnesses. And it seems like everything's stacked up against you. You know, well, what am I going to do? This is the way it is. This is what it looks like. And this is all of this. But in the midst of that, you can still say together with heaven what heaven says. Anyhow. You say it anyhow. 
And what you are endeavoring to do is to remove the lie and supplant it with the truth. Let the truth grow and flourish. Let the truth come forth. Let the truth be established in your life. So in any in anybody who's ever needed a job knows this. You go out and look for a job. You're not going to take unemployment as the final answer because somewhere down inside of you there's something called faith. And that faith begins to rise up and you begin to oppose what's going on in the natural. You begin to oppose what you see and you fight it and you come out victorious over it. No matter how long it takes, you still get up and fight it every day. And so this is the essence of of what we must do in order to be healed, in order to have anything that we desire. On top of symptoms that will tell you things to the contrary, you must say together with heaven what heaven says if you want heaven's results in your life. We'll go to our, our foundational scripture in Proverbs 4, 20, 22. I always read this at the start of each healing school because this is how healing takes place and this is how your faith grows he says here my son attend to my words and other pay attention to what i say now don't listen to anybody else now you pay attention to me isn't that what good parents tell their children and he says incline your ear to my sayings in other words when you hear me talk or when you hear my word you pay attention to that everything else you can ignore But whenever my word goes forth, sit up at attention. I don't care who preaches it, who says it. If my word is being spoken, pay attention to that word because there's truth there, there's life there, there's everything there. He said, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. This is why we post scriptures up in the house and this is why we plaster them everywhere. We want to keep them before our eyes. Why? Because you want to be reminded continually of where you live, who your daddy is, what you can expect out of life. You want to keep good things. I don't know anybody who doesn't want God's promises to come to pass for them. So if for no other reason, you keep them for you because you like believing that. You like looking at that. You like the way it sounds. You want it to happen for you. And so you keep them. In front of your eyes, and as you meditate on it, it gets hidden in your heart. Everything else you kick out of your heart, but the words you hide in there. You keep it in there. Don't ever let go of the word. And it says, in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them, or retrieve them, or keep them, hold on to them, and their health to all of your flesh. That word actually brings healing to your body. You know, we need healing continually. You know, you're never just pronounced well and that's the end of it. You need a continual surge of healing through your body all the time. Amen. Because this this we live in a cursed earth. You've got to live in this atmosphere where sinners and liars and false information and false doctrine, false research. There's all kinds of stuff that we hear and that we are subject to. You know, you're not immune to hearing it. You shut your ears down because you don't want to receive it. But little bit by little bit, this atmosphere will work on you. 
Sometimes there's sickness around you, family members, all, all your family members have a certain disease and so forth and so on. Knowing that, if you don't take your daily dose of healing, if you don't have healing words coming to you at all times, washing that stuff out of your heart and out of your mind, you can hold on to that stuff and start to put your faith there instead of in God's word and his promises. So it's very easy to slip over into doubt, unbelief, any of those things, and take on symptoms with the rest of the world. But God's word promises what? None of these diseases. Amen. He does not put disease on us. Amen. And if disease visits you, you can refuse it. Sinners can't refuse it, but we can. You got me? Even sinners can. I mean, they don't have a covenant that promises it, but they can extend their faith to God to get rid of disease and get rid of illness. And so we know this to be true, but we have to make sure that we keep ourselves in tune and in line and in in agreement with God at all times so that we can get the benefit of these things. Luke chapter 11 and verse 2. I want you to turn there. The disciples taught, uh, Jesus' disciples asked him one time to teach them to pray. And he said, verse 2, when you pray, say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So your, your prayer must address Father God in heaven. It's got to address him. Why? Because he's the source of everything that you need. So when you address your prayer, you don't want to just throw a prayer out there to anybody. Because anybody might answer it. And anybody might not answer it. Amen? So you want your prayer to be addressed to the one who really needs, can do something for you. Hallowed be thy name. That means to worship God. Consider him holy. Be respectful of that. And honor him with your words. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is what we are attempting to do, to let God's will be done. Sickness is not his will. Pain is not his will. Poverty is not his will. Destruction is not his will. Terrorism is not his will. Lack of peace is not his will. None of those things are his will. And you are seeking to have his will to be done down here on earth just like it is in heaven, no matter what the situation is. It does not matter if they say your condition is terminal. You want heaven to come down here on earth and you want it to be just like it is in heaven for you. Amen. You're entitled to that. This prayer is the will of God. This prayer shows you what God's will is in all situations. That the things that are are in your life, he wants heaven to be in your life on a daily basis. That means that there's no sickness in heaven, there's no disease in heaven, there's no sorrow in heaven, there's no sadness in heaven. We know all of these things. We know that Jesus overcame all power of of darkness, all power of the enemy. So there's no uh, reigning of darkness in heaven. There's only goodness and light, the promises of God, health, healing, wholeness, uh, prosperity. Everything you set your hand to prospers. No enemy will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
That means if sickness comes and looms over him, over you, you push him back with your confession. You push him back with your words. You push him back with the word of God. And you keep pushing back until the forces of darkness obey and bow because that's the authority of heaven down here on earth. All enemies obey and bow. Actually, the devil's just a, like a roaring lion. He has no power. He has no teeth. The only power he has is to keep you from agreeing with heaven, to keep you from saying together with heaven what heaven says. And so if he can intimidate you, make you feel foolish for saying, confessing when you're, uh, when you're broke and, and when you uh, don't have an education, that you're going to uh, be a millionaire one day, if he can keep you from saying that, you know, a lot of people start out saying it. Somewhere along the line, they quit. Think what would happen if they continued saying it. So that quit comes from the devil's intimidation. That's all it is. There's no law that says you can't have what you say. It says you can have what you say. And so many times we start out saying certain things. Doubt creeps in. Pretty soon you're embarrassed to let it come out of your mouth. Yeah. Because you, you've allowed earth to dictate what you believe what you have confidence in and to dictate your words so don't ever back down you find yourself backing down and, and you think i shouldn't say that because i you know who would ever believe that you believe it if you keep agreeing with heaven pretty soon the atmosphere around you changes to heaven's atmosphere and heaven begins to support your words and then your words take on greater credibility and pretty soon a door opens for you to do something and it begins to prosper and you enjoy that. And you continue to say with heaven that it's going to get better, it's going to get stronger, our business is going to grow more, it's going to get, you know, don't ever shrink back. Amen. And when doors of opportunity come open, you step through those doors. Don't ever say a door is too expensive. It's too anything for you to walk through because you've got to go. Faith will take you through those doors and faith will keep you in there. And faith will keep you into the next door of opportunity. This is how wealthy people get wealthy, folks. There's a risk involved. There's always a risk involved. The risk is failure. For the child of God, there is no failure, but we very seldom experience great success because we let the atmosphere of the world intimidate us, back us down. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can, you can uh, look at a situation and see uh, where there's money to be made. But there's obstacles. If your opportunity to make money has too much expense to it, you'll never get the wealth. Mm -hmm. It can never be too much. Never. Never. And you're going to have to face that thing and stare it down and say to it, you know what? If so-and-so made money this way and this is what it took, I'm going to do the same thing. That person was successful. And they told me that this is the way to success. And it's going to cost you something at some time. You're going to have to risk something at some time in order to get what it is that you need and what you desire. People who stop and celebrate when they get a small victory will never know great success. You celebrate before. Amen. 
So you celebrate your victories in the faith stage. When they come through in the natural, you won't squander what you've received. Got me? See, that's living by sight. When you when you celebrate, you know, it's like this. When the uh, when the big paycheck comes, you want to go out and buy everything for everybody, and you don't don't go to work for three or four days. And if you celebrate in the faith stage, you'd stay steady and be there for the next opportunity when it comes along. Sometimes wealthy people don't take a vacation for three or four years. Why? Because there's opportunities to make money all the time. You make money while you can make money, and you celebrate. After you got it all piled up and there's time to celebrate, you celebrate it when there's a slow slowdown in your business. You understand me? These things are, are very easy to grasp onto, but these are faith principles. You'll see people in the natural doing these things, but these are faith principles. So if you'll celebrate in the faith stage, when it comes through in the natural... You'll be wise, you'll be prudent, you'll have self-control, you'll be able to hold on. You won't, it won't bug you one way or the other that your ship has come in, amen, because you saw it a long time ago and you rejoiced in it when it came in in faith. And so this is one of the safeguards for God's people. We can celebrate things in the faith stage and we won't get carnal when they come through in the natural, amen. You won't get, this is why uh, uh, entertainers lose all their money. Uh, this is why uh, sports figures lose all their money. Uh, this is why. Because they've been wanting this big contract all their lives, and they go through a, a period of constant celebration, you know, and squandering when they get there. And if you did it by faith, you'd have a plan already in God for how not to mess your life up when that money starts to come in. So faith really becomes a safeguard for us against us. It protects you against your own stupidity sometimes. You see what I'm saying? And so these are, are good things to know and understand. This is why many times uh, even uh, people in ministry lose great sums of money because they see so much coming in at one time. And they don't have a plan in God for how to manage it when it gets here. And you see them making very foolish, grave mistakes because of excess and surplus. I think as long as, as James and Betty are on there with them hungry kids, you don't have no excess. If you're in God's kingdom, you, you don't, uh-uh. There's no way. No way. If you lived off 10 and gave them 90, there's no way. See, these are safeguards. Safeguards against excess. Always have a plan. Always have a desire in your heart for something you want to do that does not involve you. And your flesh and what you want. You wish one day if you could just get your hands on uh -uh, Don't live like that. Don't live like that. That's not the life of faith. Amen. Jesus, Jesus said that's what the heathen do. Amen. Always looking for what they can get for them so they can have a ball. Your ball is in God. Amen. Your ball is in the realm of the spirit and worship. So you can rejoice there in faith whenever you desire to. So when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, we are in agreement for heaven to come down to us. That's what you want. Heaven's going to have to visit you in order for you to have disease leave your body and health to return. 
in order to have a good career and a stable income for years and years and years. This statement brings us into agreement with God's will. We must therefore agree with God. We must have his righteousness. We must have his faith. And we must have his words. If you're in Christ, you have those. And you choose to release your faith into the word of God so that you can receive everything that God has for you. In heaven, we are healed. We have received the spirit of Christ and must allow him to control our lives and order our steps. So when, when in, in, in nothing of the dark side can ever stay in heaven's atmosphere. When Satan was found with iniquity in him, he immediately fell from heaven. So the atmosphere in heaven does not support iniquity. So when you bring heaven down here to you, to your body, then everything that iniquity brought in, sickness, whether it came to you from doubt, from fear, from contact with a sick person, however it got into your life, when heaven comes into contact with iniquity, iniquity cannot stand. It will have to bow at some point and remove itself from your life, from your physical man, from everything. It just can't stay in the presence of heaven's atmosphere. And that's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Healing is the will of God for all people, all humanity. So in heaven we're healed. We have received the spirit of Christ and must allow him to control our lives and order our steps if we're to receive the benefits of this covenant. Our steps are guided by our words. They're guided by our words. Certain words are offensive to God. There's certain words he cannot, cannot, uh, uh, cannot produce uh, for things for you on. He can't perform on those certain words. Words of cursing, words of blasphemy, words of darkness, words that, that promote sin and, and things of that nature. He cannot perform on those words. So we keep those words out of our mouths and we guard our hearts. Sometimes there's something in your heart that's generating that kind of response to life. And so we have to make sure that that's repented of. You know, God, I didn't even know that was in there. Please forgive me and get this, get me free from this. I don't need this. You know, I don't need to be spouting off like the world does. I need to be keeping my words in your kingdom, keeping a bank of of God's word in your life so that those words will produce. You can't produce out of bitter and sweet. You can't draw from two fountains, folks. You got to draw from one. You know, or you'll always be trying to dig yourself out of trouble if you're trying to be worldly and be spiritual at the same time. You know, we, we look at television and we can see that, don't we? You know, that's, that's people who aren't consecrated to God. You know, they just do what they want to do and, and call it God. You can't do that. You have to be set apart to him. You know, we don't have a problem with, with people... Uh, being too holy or too self-righteous or too whatever. We had a problem with people being obedient to God and, and having their hearts right. If, if we didn't have that problem, we'd have half the world healed and most of it saved by now. But we, we can't even get people almost in church anymore because of iniquity, because there's so much 
diversion for people. There's so many places they can go that don't really preach the word of God or have uh, people who are set apart to God to be used by him. You know, this is this is essential if we're going to have success in God. You know, I see a lot of times people, you know, you see them on Facebook, they'll get some of the old saints and talk about how they lived and they prayed all the time. Well, who are the people that are praying all the time in this generation? You know, we shouldn't have to go dig up old people all the time to talk about what a holy life was. Like it's a relic and you can't attain to that now. You can have that now. You know, you're going to have to do what they did sometimes, but you can have that now. You can have that now. you got to want it. You've got to see a good reason for it. So in Mark 11... In 22, Jesus, we know, of course, this is a situation where Jesus cursed the fig tree and it didn't produce and it happened like overnight. And the disciples were really amazed. And they, Peter told him, he said, remember the, the fig tree you cursed, it's dead already. Jesus said, have faith in God. Hmm? Why did he say that? Because Peter's, he can tell by Peter's tone he's amazed because Jesus is a man. And Jesus is saying, you know what, I put my faith in God and that's how this happened. So when we put our confidence, our trust and our faith in God, for him to bring it to pass, not us to bring it to pass, but God to bring it to pass. When you have relationship with God, you have understanding of how to cooperate with him. You know when your life is pleasing to him. You know when it's not pleasing to him. You have all these understandings to walk in harmony with God. And so you choose to walk in harmony with God and you begin to trust him. And then you can step out in faith and begin to seek God for certain things. Ask him for certain things in your life. Believe him for certain things to come to pass in your life and, and, and leave, live that life of faith and confidence in him. And that's what Jesus said. He said, my faith is in God and my faith isn't in me to do anything, not as a man. You know, of course, Jesus had total confidence in the father because he was in total agreement with him. And that's the way God expects us to live our lives in total agreement with him so that we can have confidence in him. And when we pray and we expect, it's no surprise and no shock when it shows up at your front doorstep. See, there are times when you can walk in seasons like we're having now in the Amos 9:13 season where everything's a blessing. You got me? Things come to you quickly. Things come to you nonstop. One blessing after another, after another, after another. Is your whole life is blessed. And so when we see those things happening, we know that we are putting our continually putting our trust and confidence in God. You don't stop one day and try to think of how you're going to solve a problem. Every day when you get up, you have the resolve that God has all the answers. God is going to show me what to do. God, I worship you and I thank you for bringing me answers to every situation. And you don't worry about them. You put them up somewhere and you let God have them because your trust and confidence is in him. And so Jesus said, have faith in God. For truly I say to you, whatsoever or whosoever shall say to this mountain, he said, this works for everybody. 
This is not for the super saint. This is not for the uh, person that fasts 40 days a month or something like that. But this is for everybody. He says, if you put your faith in God, who, whosoever you are, you can say to this mountain or any problem that you don't want in your life that doesn't line up with the will of God and doesn't line up with the word of God, be removed. Just go. Just leave my life. Just get out of here. Just exit. And be cast into the sea and don't doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which he says, he says, he says, he says. This will keep you from saying too much stupid stuff. See, if you believe your words come to pass in one kingdom, you've got to believe they come to pass in another one. Amen. So this will keep you from saying things that you won't, don't want to see happen. You don't want to see it happen, don't say yes to it. Just, you know, say no to the dress. You know, that's kind of a, a, a confusing situation. You've got these dress people that want to sell you a dress. You've got your family that's sick of you already because they don't want to see you get on another dress again. And they swear you didn't put that same dress on three times and they didn't like it the first time you put it on. So that's a lot of pressure for somebody to be under. So eventually they say yes just because everybody's tired and want to go home. And the dress works anyway. You know what I'm saying. It's not as big a deal as they think it is. But you can say no to anything also. You can refuse to be a party. And see, this is, is very important for us now as believers and we'll get to be even more so. Because if you don't think confession is important, look at what Muslims do to people to get them to take back their confession of faith in Christ. If you don't think your words are important, you look at that. That'll give you some indication of what they consider a victory. They consider it a victory when you change your confession and you say you don't want your God anymore, but you want their God. You understand what I'm saying? It's that powerful. If they would threaten to murder you just to change your words, think how powerful your words are. And so we're going to get a whole different level of respect for our words, folks. When people start saying stupid stuff and want us to agree, we're going to clam up like you never saw us clam up before. Because sometimes these words have enough faith on them to put you in agreement with those people over there. And the world keeps getting darker and more sinful and more uh, corrupt and more rude. And then Christians don't understand, why doesn't God do anything? And how come my prayers don't work? Because you're confessing with the enemy at the same time you're trying to confess with God. And so we have to be careful that our confession stays in God's kingdom. Everybody's using that phrase, all in. Remember? (laughs) Now everybody's all in on everything. Because people are understanding you can't split your confidence, you can't split your faith, you can't split your allegiance, you can't split yourself up like that. You've got to be in with everything you've got and then some. Go borrow something to get all in with on some things. I remember when... when My uh, husband and I used to gamble, and if he would be down some chips, he'd come by, see him floating around. Now, other than that, he didn't know me. You understand what I'm saying? Don't come over here messing with me. He's in his zone, you know what I'm saying? We seldom gambled together. 
but but uh, he would sometimes I would see him floating around looking for me and I would just try to duck and try to hide from him. I knew he was looking for some chips, you know. He said, you know what, I really feel like if I get back in that game right now, I can, and he usually did. You know what I'm saying? I mean, them gambling devils, luck devils, they visit you for a while, but they wind up taking all your money eventually. But when it's time to get all in, you're all in, and you won't go borrow something to get more all in on it. You understand what I'm saying? This Amos 9.13 season is one of those. You know, I feel like I want to give more and allow God to have more for me to reap and harvest than, than ever before. Than ever before. It, it's amazing how God will prompt you in these things. And it's hard for you to resist when God's helping you. When he's directing your faith and driving your faith. It's hard for you to resist. It would be harder for me not to, to obey God and, and do what I know in my heart I feel is right to do. Than to just, you know, resist it and do things that make sense to me in the natural. You know what I'm saying? And go by what, what I see. And so there are times when you need to have everything invested in God's kingdom. I mean 100%. You can't get distracted. You can't have diversions. You know, uh, Sometimes the things that used to occupy all of your, your thinking, uh, your attention, you'll find them falling to the wayside because God needs your full attention in certain things. Or you used to think, of, oh, the most important thing to me is to get this prayer answered. You know, it's when, when, when God really takes over and you know the importance of putting all your confidence in him, you trust him to bring you what you need when you need it and you don't have any preference here. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, this is, oh, if I don't get this in my life, I'm, I'm going to be upset. You, you could care less when you're 100% trusting God. You trust him for the sequence and the order of things. You know, young people, I've seen it with people who are, are single and, and wanting to get married. You know, oh, when they're in their 20s, oh, they're all upset. And, and, and you have to trust God sometimes, you know, because you look around you and there's nothing there. So I'm, I, can't, I can't spend my time wondering when this is going to happen. I better just let God have it and be satisfied when he brings it. And get all in on that. Confess that. Thank God for it. Now, God, I, I trust you to bring this person at the right time in my life, the right person. I don't care who it is, red, black, blue, green, whatever color they are, short, tall. Oh. Well, wait a minute now. Wait, 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 wait. Hold it, hold it. See? Don't we do that? See? Magic Mike XXL. <laughs> But for your eyes only, okay? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. You know, your carnal self will stop your spiritual self from going too far in trusting God, see? You can't let that happen. You've got to have 100% trust in God. The Christian people that get the right spouse are the ones that have 100% trust in God. They're all in on it. God, I couldn't do better if I put them together myself, mail ordered them or whatever it is, you know. And so you, you trust God. You, you let him lead you in these things. And don't get discouraged. Rejoice in it. Rejoice that you don't have to make a decision. You understand? Except to say yes. Huh? And don't get crazy. And don't get ahead of yourself. You know, quit living out of your flesh and allow God to develop your spirit, man, so that you have more confidence in him. 
you should have more confidence in in God finding you somebody than you have in anybody finding you somebody. No? How do you know people? You don't know what they're going to do. Don't know what their agenda is, but God does. He can tell you by the Spirit. Amen. You start praying and confessing, these things get closer to you. Pretty soon God reveals that person, and that person is available to you. So it's just that simple. Amen. So you got to be all in on these things. You can't be halfway looking for somebody and halfway trusting God. That's not trusting God. You've got to trust God, period. Amen. And you've got to have your faith involved in it. People say they're believing God, but they have no, their faith is in neutral. No. Can't, you can't leave your faith in neutral forever. You've got to put it somewhere. Pretty soon you'll have it in reverse and start backing up into the world. You know, you've got to be engaged in these things. Faith is action. You know what I'm saying? Faith is confession. It's your, it starts with your words, with saying this is what I want, God, thanking him for it every day. Every day, if, if you're single and you're looking for God to bring your husband or a wife, you need to thank him day and night for that person, the right person, God, the one you know is right for me. It doesn't matter if, if there's nobody, quote, eligible that you know around you. That's a good thing. Because you miss the one. You know what I'm saying? You miss them by a country mile. It's best to let God reveal these people to you. You can go buy gasoline. The person... In the car next to you, have a Jesus bumper sticker. Just want to talk, 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 talk. And you don't like them. But you friend them on Facebook and they talk, 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 talk some more. You understand what I'm saying? These things happen this way. This is God. And so when you trust him 100%, he will bring to you what you desire. But it's got to be 100%. Don't have no plans to go off by yourself and make yourself available to some jerk. You know, I mean that kind of stuff. It's just, that's not going to lead anywhere. And don't get anxious for life to happen to you. You know. Seriously. You know, marriage will wear you out like in the first six months. Faster if it ain't God. And I'm not even talking to some of you who think you don't have to get married. You can have kids and all that stuff too. So don't even go there. Don't even go there. Don't even think about it. Everybody's anxious for the benefits, but not the commitment. Benefits will get to be liabilities without commitment. So what you thought was going to make you happy will wind up being a, a noose around your neck if you don't have commitment. If you think nobody wants you because you're so bad, you don't look good like other girls and all that kind of stuff, or you don't look good like other guys and all that stuff, get in the Word. Get yourself in the Word because there's somebody for everybody. It may not be Magic Mike XXL, but they'll be just right for you. Midget Mike. 
Yours ain't magic, he midget, okay? So you just come on up here with midget Mike. I'll check him out, see if he's saved. We'll get Tish to make the flowers again and get the old trellis out. Jump the broom. And you're in it. That's what it is. That's what it's all about. The devil tells everybody nobody wants them. He tells everybody that. Look at you. You ain't cute. You fat. You this way. Everybody fat. Huh? Except Miss Donna. <laughs> and a few other choice people we can count on one hand. But everybody fat. So, I mean, that ain't no disqualifier to me. You know what I'm saying? That means I'm in. Let me get back to my subject matter. You know, every once a month you got to get everybody, look, young people here and all this, you got to get them straightened out because 30 days out of the month they over fantasizing about something they ain't supposed to have. That ain't yours, so quit thinking about it. God has got yours, but you're going to have to go through God to get it. Yeah. He's got yours, but you got to please him to get it. So you can tell this mountain, anything that's in your way, get out of the way. And if you don't doubt in your heart, don't doubt, don't doubt, don't doubt, don't doubt, don't doubt. Now you can't sit up and say, doubt, get away, doubt, doubt, doubt. You've got to get yourself filled up with God's word. What keeps you from doubting in your heart is the grafting, ingrafting of God's word in your heart. When God's word is in there, you're full of confidence and faith. Well. Don't quit confessing because the more you do it, the less doubt is there when you say it. I'm going to say it again. Don't quit confessing because the more you say it, the less doubt is there. When you say, I'm healed, that word goes out, but it also is in. And every time you say it, it gets stronger, it gets bigger, because it pushes everything that's not like it out of the atmosphere. It's re- you, what's opposing it is being removed and being cast into the sea. Just with your declaring it. Amen. Just say it out loud. Say it to the wall. Say it to the mirror. Say it to the floor. Say it to the dog. To the goldfish. Say it to everything. Permeate your atmosphere with God's truth. Yeah. Doubt won't have an opportunity. To creep in and grab hold of you. There are some things that we have no doubt about totally. That doesn't mean we have them all. Does it? We don't doubt God wants us to be wealthy. Because wealth and riches are in the house of those who worship God. And who fear him. But there's more to it than a confession. There's application. There's petitioning God for the way he's going to do it. It's a lot of work. You know, I mean, it's not something you can bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. It ain't like that. This is this takes some, some work and some confidence in God and some what may seem risky on your part. All of those things, it takes those things. They say the third generation of, of uh, the new rich people, the newly wealthy, by the third generation, only 12% of the heirs hold on to the, the family wealth. 12%, two generations. That means the, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren have lost it, 12% of them, by the time it gets to them. 
Now, why is that? Because it's a faith thing. If you've got it there all the time, all you've got to have faith is that it's going to be there. You don't have to have any kind of confidence how to make it, how to sustain it, how to create more, how to manage it. They just believe it's always going to be there. That's why it disappears. So there's a development of your faith for things that must take place. That's why wise parents will force the children to get involved in the family business. You've got to scrub floors. You've got to, you got to do everything. They, they have them in there when they're little. A lot of them, you know, they say, oh, I, I grew up here. When I come home from school, I would, went to the back room and my parents ran the store in the front, something like that. Why? Teaching them how to develop their faith. They see the parents struggle. They see how they manage the money. They see how they do this, they do that. And the ones that stick with it eventually will desire to do it because the faith begins to draw them to what it is that they've been dealing with all the time. Same thing with us, with your health. Your faith will draw you to health because you're involved in it all the time. You believe God for it. You're speaking it all the time. You're praying the prayer of faith for health, and you're praying the prayer for people who are sick. You're interceding for people. So you're always involved. Your faith is always involved in the things related to healing. That's why it's hard for us as believers to accept any kind of illness and accept any kind of natural treatment for illness because your faith is so much greater. You understand what I'm saying? And so when we are involved in these things, eventually... What we see will come to us and we'll possess it and it'll be a permanent possession for us. So we can say be removed, be cast into the sea and not doubt in your heart. If you feel you have doubt, keep putting the word in. Keep listening to the word. Keep confessing the word. Don't ever stop. If you, if you stop, that means that you've let doubt conquer you. And you're settling for something that perhaps you, dis- you didn't want to begin with. So you've decided that you really can't do it or it's too much trouble or something like that. I was remembering a testimony of a gentleman. <clears throat> I think it was Derek Prince. He said he had been in the armed services at one time and uh, he contracted some kind of infection that they said there was no cure for. And it, it broke him out into a rash. It was very uncomfortable. And he said that when he found there was no medicine for it, he kept thinking if there was just a medicine. And he read Proverbs 4. And I think one translation uh, uh, helps to all of their flesh, but there is a translation that says medicine. And somebody had given him, he had read that in one translation. He said, Man, oh, here's my medicine, the word. He said, God, would you, if, if I took this three times a day like they would give me a pill, would you heal me? And he got peace about it. And he kept confessing that scripture three times a day. And he said that rash got smaller and smaller and smaller and eventually disappeared. Amen. So there was his, amen, there was his cure for an incurable rash was the word of God. And so we continue to do it. We get a strategy from God and a plan from God. For Proverbs 4, 20 to 22 works every time. Just keep inclining your ear. Don't quit. Don't faint. Don't give up. Many times when we're newly afflicted, we listen to the word intensely and then we taper off, taper off, taper off. Find a a system that you have peace with God about that will work for you until God releases you from it. You got me? 
when you're seeking to be healed by the word of God, time cannot be an issue to you. You've got to let time go. You've got to, you can't rush God to do something because he's the only one who knows how long it's going to take. How long it takes depends on how diligent you pursue it. See, he can't tell you up front because he doesn't know if you're going to do what you're supposed to do or not. It's just the truth. So don't put God on a time, don't press him like that. He's God. He might press you back and you'd be sorry. He messed with him. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. You can't do that. Fully trusting God means fully trusting him. Like Job. Yeah, everybody hates that. I hate it too. Nobody likes to be sick. But I thank God he's in the Bible because he got well. You got me? God healed him. Amen. I think Job started out changing his confession. Before, his confession was directed at people. You know, people keep you so entertained, you don't have time for God. So that was the devil stealing his healing right there, sending all his friends around to talk to him and tell him where he was wrong. and He had to defend himself. He's in strife and getting sicker. We've got to stop that. If you're going to be healed, you've got to keep righteousness around you. So finally one time, one day God just got sick of it all and butted in. Thank God for him butting in. See, or Job would have been there today still arguing with his friends if God hadn't butted in. When you belong to God, he will butt in. It's called sovereignty. Thank God he butts in on our stupidity and our nonsense. Or we would, some of us would never stop. Arguing with your friends. I got faith. Wow. James said have it between you and God. It ain't about you and proving it to no friends. If your faith is going to do you any good, it's going to have to be between you and God. Your friends can't do anything with your faith. And your enemies can't do anything with your faith. So just cease trying to prove to man anything. People get too defensive should plead the blood that's your only plea when you when you need something that's that's the plea that you enter and you stand behind that he says also therefore i say to you what things soever you desire when you pray believe you receive them or it should be believe you receive them when you pray at the time you pray believe you've got it just walk away with it and god say god i thank you I receive that. I receive that answer right now. And he says, and you'll have them. And he says, oh, and by the way, God doesn't bless people that hold on to unforgiveness and rudely interrupt other people's lives and never apologize. He does not honor prayers for people like that. He says, so when you stand praying, before you even open your mouth, <laughs> get out your confession. You understand what I'm saying? And, and don't buy into these so-called grace teachings that tell you don't have to confess your sins anymore. You know, it's just nonsense. Total nonsense. If people weren't buying it, you know why people buy that? Because they're arrogant. They never think they're wrong. Something like that comes to reinforce that. And you say, see, I knew I was right. Yeah, but do you have what you want? Do you have your needs met? Have you ceased struggling? 
Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of stuff to buy into to derail you from believing the basics of God's word. Just being obedient to God. You know, how could you go into the throne room of Christ who was never had a sin in his life and paid for you to be there and not acknowledge that? My goodness, that's, that's merely acknowledging the obvious. There are some people on earth who have done things for people and they can never quit thanking them for it. You understand what I'm saying? And so this is in confessing your sin. If you have unconfessed sin, it stays on your soul. And your faith won't work with that on there either. That's why a lot of times it takes people forever to get simple things accomplished in their lives. Because if something happens like that to derail them and keep them acting arrogantly and, and, you know, super spiritual and I've got this covered and I know I got this and all that. You know, get rid of that nonsense. Get rid of that. That's Job arguing with his friends again. You don't have to prove how spiritual you are to anybody. You know, sometimes people get on tangents and they can't get off of it. That's not, that's not God. God doesn't keep you stuck in some crazy doctrine. Every time you open your mouth, you've got to say the same thing over and over again to people. That's, that's, that's not right. There's something goofy about that. You know, there's a brother, I see his, his posting sometimes, and I really dearly love that person, but I know they have issues with religious people. And every post they have has some knock against religion. You know, come on, get off of it. Just move on to something else. You know, get that issue settled between you and God, leading people alone, and move on in life. You understand what I'm saying? So this issue-oriented type of faith, it's not from God. It's not from God. So let's understand what God wants us to do. You just take care of you. You understand? But you obey this. Every time you get in God's face, you say, Father, forgive me. I know I did something. I may not be able to think of it, and then something will pop in. Oh, yeah, I know what it is now. You understand what I'm saying? Don't lie to God. And don't hinder your own blessing trying to be super spiritual or have some doctrine nobody else has but you. You know, that's how the Mormons got started. That's how all cults get started. Somebody wants something unique and super spiritual. So just be you, okay? We all got issues. We all have struggles. We're all waiting on God to do something for us. Just be you, okay? You be you, you be fine. But you better find out who you is. So he said, you have anything against anybody. Some people have continual issues with the same person. They can't get over it. The minute that person's name pops in their mind, see, that's you right there. You need to do this. You really didn't do it right the first time. That's why it's still there. You know, if I find I'm tense around somebody, I go to God. You know, especially if that person's a saint. And you gotta, you're in the same church with them. You're in the same ministry. You've got to work with them. You don't have fly-off-the-handle issues where you're impatient with people. Amen. Something's wrong there. Yeah. Something's wrong. You've got to get that straightened out. If you're going to have any kind of success with God, these basics have to be observed. Nobody gets to skip over them. So he says, your father in heaven will forgive you if you don't forgive others. He won't forgive you. That's pretty cut and dry. Amen. So you want to be forgiven. Amen. You want to be forgiven and pleasing to God. You're trying to please him, not other people. 
Mark 11:23 tells us our faith is directed by our words. We must strengthen our resolve to have what we say. In other words, you have to be determined to see that your own words come to pass. You've got to be determined on that. If you believe God's word leads us in a path of light and goodness, and you want more light coming in on your situation, you want more of heaven down here on earth. And God's will can be done in your life. His will is always life and peace. Always life and peace. More life, abundant life. Everything that pertains to abundant life is what God has ordained for us. Not mediocre, not just enough, not the first thing that's handed to us. Man, He will give us the desires. What do you desire? Most people don't desire the first thing that comes along. But you might take it if the devil prompts you to do it. If your faith is not in God, you might take the first thing that shows up just because you're afraid nothing else, the desire is not coming. You're afraid God won't give you what you really want. What is ordained is not canceled by the darkness of this world. So it does not matter how many people are persecuting Christians, how many uh, you know, people are getting sued because they don't want to have gay people uh, you know, perform things at their wedding or anything like that. It does not matter about the degree of darkness. God's word will work, and his word is what we have to, to uh, speak at all times. So what is ordained is never canceled by the darkness of this world. But God is waiting for somebody to put their faith in him so he can bring it to pass. <clears throat> the light pierces through the darkness if we will agree with heaven and agree to bring heaven down here on earth. God desires to establish us in the life of his kingdom. So saying what God says about us is essential to that process. We are merely agreeing with him, saying together with God that this is what it is. This is truth. We must continually say as God says, not just confess it when we think about it and get excited and get fearful that it's not going to happen, but say it continually. Isaiah 53.5 tells us what to say about our bodies, what to say about healing. He was wounded for our transgressions. So your sins are paid for. He was bruised for our iniquities. So the desire to sin is paid for. Those things people claim they can't quit doing or they can't quit thinking about it or they that's paid for already. So you can quit. You got me? You can quit everything. Because the power's there for you, because it's, it's been atoned for. You're not in bondage to it anymore. You can quit doing anything that's not good for you to do. He has taken stripes, so the price is paid. Now, this is heaven's language. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, when you make a decision that you are healed... You'll get peace about it, and your healing will come. You won't continue to think back and forth, well, am I healed? Aren't I healed? Am I healed? You don't do that. You'll get peace about it. It's settled. 
And so because Jesus was punished to bring us peace with God, God's word will have the final say in our souls. That word will just settle in on your soul and you won't have the tendency to doubt it any longer. It'll be there and it'll stay. The Bible says the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It puts a a lock on things. It locks it up in there so that it can't be taken out. But you've got to look for God's peace about things. You can't just think you want something and never get it settled and just walk on in life not ever having that issue settled. If there's something in the Bible that you see you want, you talk to God about it and pretty soon he reassures you that it is for you. Everything in here is for you. When as you open this Bible, he's talking to you. And he can reassure you that is for you. You don't look in there and and see, uh, you know, where somebody was prosperous and had a family and all that and say, "Mm, I wonder if he wants me to have that. You need to go look at it again. And keep looking at it till it's real to you. That's what we do with everything. You, you see things that on television, pretty soon you bought it. Wonder how that happened. Huh? You liked it, you saw it, you liked it, you thought about it. Hmm, that would be nice one day, but right now it's not. Hmm. Pretty soon it's sitting up in your garage. Amen. How you think you got it from there to there is from meditation. Repeat it over and over and over again, looking at it, thinking about it, desiring it, settling in on it, deciding in on it, and pretty soon you went out and bought it and put it in. You can do that with this too. You can do that with the Word of God. You can do that with anything that God promises you by giving it your attention. Don't let it depart from your eyes. Keep looking at it. Sometimes you'll feel unworthy to have it, and that's a good place to be because you're not worthy. Not on your own. So just wipe that off the table. Well, worthy's not an issue. God said it, and I, I can have it. I'm just going to keep studying and keep believing God, keep talking to him about it, keep getting understanding of how to prepare myself to receive it, all that stuff. Just treat it like it's real. You get me? Treat it like it's really going to happen for you. Treat it like it's really coming, and it'll come. You can't. You can't pick and choose what you want in this life. I wish I could help people to understand that better. You know, people, God's ordained. You know what ordained means? That means, like me, I couldn't do anything else but this if I tried. If I'm going to stay saved, I'm going to be a preacher. Even if I try not to obey God, I'm still going to preach to somebody. If I go and live on an island or something like that by myself, I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to see nobody. I'll be preaching to myself. You got me? Because that's just the way you're ordained for certain. Certain things are ordained for your life. They're ordained for your life. Some people are ordained to be husbands and wives. In fact, most people are. There are very few people that God exempts from that. Why? His first command was be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. That's why homosexuality is an abomination. It works against the law of life. I mean, you cut your life off so quick. That's why they come up with diseases like AIDS that will kill them off because they're, they're not cooperating with the law of life. I don't care how many states tell them they can get married. Everybody get married. That's what you want to call it. But you are not obeying the, the basic command of life in God. 
God gives us life and peace. So what is ordained is not canceled by the world's darkness. God desires to establish us in the life of his kingdom. So saying what God says about us is essential to that process. We have to continually say what God says about everything. God, I thank you for my, my uh, husband, my wife, my children, my home, my property. Those are basic things that God gave everybody. Everybody. It doesn't matter if you never thought you wanted to get married before. It does not matter. That's what you used to think. You're a new creature in Christ now. Start challenging those old thoughts and old ideas that come to you that tell you that's not for you. Where'd that come from? Came from the God of this world. Satan doesn't want anybody to get married but gay people. He wants all the straight people to have hell in their homes because they're not married and there's no covenant with God. And he wants the gay people to pretend like they got one and they're doing okay. So start fighting that thing. No, devil, I'm not going to believe that. I believe God has ordained a husband or wife for me and property and good property. Amen. All of those things. Everything. Sometimes you're going to have to fight yourself in order to get blessed. You're going to be the biggest obstacle in your life is you. Well, no, I don't think I want all that. It don't take all that. to make. It don't take much to make me happy. Well, don't come getting in my pocket when you need something, because that's how them people, them people, it don't take much. They're always in somebody else's pocket. When you say you're healed, even in the face of sickness, illness, symptoms, whatever you want to call it, you are speaking heaven's language. This is heaven's language. You don't care if it sounds untrue by earth standards. You care about heaven hearing from you. If people tell you, how can you say you're that but this? I'm talking to heaven. I ain't talking to you. You, Who told you you could butt into my conversation? I'm talking to heaven. You can't do nothing for me anyway. Heaven can do something for me. So you care about heaven hearing you. You need to let God see your faith and don't worry about people or your own ideas about stuff. God, I don't know about this saying I'm healed and I'm really, well, I ain't going to say I'm sick, but I'm healed. You understand what I'm saying? You work that out in your own little mind, but at the end of the day, you agree with heaven. Amen. Don't worry about how it sounds. You're asking God to send change into your situation. And if you're suffering with symptoms or you're affirming, you're either changing the situation to get rid of symptoms or disease or you're affirming a state of divine health. So either way, you've got to agree with heaven for your health to remain and you've got to agree with heaven to get rid of sickness if it's trying to attach itself to your body. Either way, you must speak heaven's language to please God and get heaven's results. So you've got to talk like he talks. He don't hear you if you don't say, I'm healed. He don't hear you if you don't say, I thank you that I am prosperous. Amen. It's a continual state of being for you. The truth is we are healed by his stripes, by what he did, not by what we do. So we are merely agreeing with what he did. 
and agreeing with the truth. Agreement with heaven will cause earth to react. So you've got to be braced for this. Earth will react by telling you it's not true. Or putting doubt or, or I would I call dousing your fire. Trying to put out your fire. Put out your zeal. That's not true. What about so and so? Yeah, him, he's leaving on the next train. You got me? That's what, that's what about so-and-so. The devil will use ridicule. He wants to laugh at you. And if you're a person who's sensitive to ridicule, you'll begin to shrink back. He wants you to shrink back and not advance. He wants to force us to stop agreeing with heaven to put us into doubt. If he begins to challenge you enough, you will begin to challenge yourself and begin to doubt. That's why it's good to put yourself on a schedule. Lord, three times a day I'm going to come before you and thank you for healing me. Thank you for wholeness. Thank you for soundness. Thank you for all of these things. And don't give the enemy a chance to mount up a defense against your words. These are conflict situations that we must win if we will walk in the light of divine health. So keep saying what heaven says about you. You are healed. Never stop saying it. When we choose, if you go a day without saying you're healed, then you're losing ground. You got me? Dodie Osteen fought off liver cancer. Confession. She said some days she was very sick. She just couldn't get up out of bed, but she still spoke the word, confessed the word. Now, we have it a little easier because you can play tapes to give you some relief from having to put through that kind of effort, but you've got to focus on it. Sometimes it's better to say it because as you say it, you do agree with heaven afresh. And there's something about your own voice that is very convincing for you when you, when you do these things. But you can, you can choose to do that some as well. But... She keeps up that same regimen now that she's been healed for some like 20 years, I think, more than that. But she does the same thing to stay healed. Brother Hagen did the same thing. And he was never, he could tell you the date when he took his last aspirin. It was in the 40s or something like that. I don't know when it was, but he could tell you the date when he took his last pill. People say, what do you take when you're, when you're sick? He said, I take what I preach. You take what you preach. See, you, you can have that confidence in God. See, we marvel at it because we wonder, but don't wonder. Just get over in there. You can get over in there. So when you choose heaven over earth, you are being more honest with your desires than if you accept what's here on earth. See, when, you, when you're a child of God and you say... Um, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, you say, well, how much money do you make? Um, uh, yeah, uh, well, it, well, you could make more. God wants to prosper you. Well, I'm okay right where you're lying. Amen. See, when you say God's word, you're being more honest than if you just t- tried to agree with what you have in the natural. Amen. Nobody's ever satisfied with the amount of money they make. Are you kidding me? You give me another $10,000 and see what I won't do with it. I'll be your friend at least till the afternoon. (laughs) 
Never accept earth's provision as yours. Heaven's provision is for you. All sick people want to be well. All poor people want to have wealth. All blind people desire to see. And all lame people desire to walk. We all want heaven's provision. So be honest about it and start to confess it. The believer has it and can bring it to pass into the lives of other people because of Mark 16, 17, and 18. So we can minister this life to others as well. That's part of the reason God gives it to us. Psalm 37, 4, we must believe he will give us the desires of our hearts and expect those things he has promised us to come to pass. You must leave time up to God. We said that. He has a times and season in his hands. That's the safest place to have him is in God's hands. You don't need to know the time when you're going to be healed because you'll probably slack off on your confession and not get there. So let's cut it out, okay? God, thank you. I know it's going to come. It will come to pass. Amen. It will come to pass. If symptoms are severe, he has deliverance for us. He knows how to deliver the righteous out of temptation, and he will. He will give you comfort measures or temporary relief to help you so that you don't focus on your symptoms all the time. But don't change your confession. Keep declaring that you are healed. Once God hears you, you know you have what you, if you follow Mark 11, 20, 11, 23 to the letter and don't omit anything, then you can be assured that God has heard you. Be assured of that. And then you can have what you say. You can be healed at any time. Jesus said, you'll hear with your ears, see with your eyes, understand with your heart, be converted, and he will heal you. Amen? So that's your assurance. But agree with heaven on all things. On all things. Don't stop confessing the word. Don't pick up words that you hear others say and start adopting that. Always have the word of faith near you in your mouth and your heart. And heaven hears you. And heaven will come down and visit you. And you'll have what you say. Amen? All right. Father, we thank you for blessing us. Thank you for healing us. You want to put on some music, Miss Juana? If anybody needs prayer, you come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord.